Well, how about those Buffalo Bills, y'all? What an exciting game that was, man. It has been a long time. I was a kid the last time I was this excited about the Buffalo Bills. 27 years since they've been to the AFC championship game. Let's go, Buffalo. Well, welcome, everyone. Whether you are in the room or if you're joining us from home, watching online, my name is Pete. If this is your first time, I have the joy of serving as the lead pastor here, and we are truly excited to have you joining us today as we are continuing this series called Let Us Pray, which coincides with what we kind of do every year this time of the year in January. We take 21 days to have a focused time of prayer and fasting, and the theme for this year's 21 days is Return to Me which comes from a verse in the Old Testament book of Joel where God says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And then a couple verses later, if you do that, he says, I will give you back what you lost. And I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me to have God give back anything that has been lost to us in this past year, whether it be because of COVID or other things that the enemy has stolen from you. We're believing God to return that to us in this season of prayer and fasting as we return to him. This daily prayer focus guide is available to you in your bulletin, or if you're watching online, you can go to the prayer page of our website. Last week's focus was returning to our focus on Jesus, and this week we're going to shift our focus to returning to God's work in me, because he's doing something specific and unique in each one of us. And so I really want to encourage you guys, I don't know if you were aware of this or not, I briefly mentioned it in my message last week, that you can... Join us on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. or Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. for a worship and prayer service. Maybe prayer is kind of a new concept to you and you don't know really how to pray. The best way to grow in that is by just practicing it and being around other people who do it. And this past Thursday morning, man, what a sweet time in God's presence it was here. And I want to encourage you and invite you to participate in this. There's plenty of space. We're socially distanced and uh, wearing masks and all of that stuff. But I just want to encourage you. I'm, I'm praying that the same level of excitement that people have over the Buffalo Bills success in the playoffs this year would be superseded by an excitement and passion that we have for being in God's presence and hearing the voice of our Heavenly Father. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. Last week, we talked about how God is a speaking God. And many people today, I think, might have a tough time believing that he still speaks today. They might be like, well, yeah, maybe in ancient times and in mysterious ways, he spoke to people. But is he really still speaking now? You know, there are people within Christianity that, that think and believe and teach that God no longer speaks that he stopped speaking when the canon of scripture was closed, when the first century apostles and eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection passed away, then God stopped speaking. And I don't know about you, but it's a crazy thought to me that for 4,000 years, both Old Testament and New, God spoke to person after person after person. Then all of a sudden, after the first century, God was like, yeah, you know what? I'm done. I got nothing else to say. I've said everything I need to say that, that's, that's just a crazy thought to me. 
You know, we talk about how Christianity is, is not a religion as much as it is a relationship. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. But how cruel would it be for us to tell people that they need to have a personal relationship with a God who will never speak to them? Dallas Willard says it this way, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is tell them that they can have a personal relationship with God. I mean, how personal would it be if he never spoke to you? Any relationship that we have in life is only as strong as the communication that goes into that relationship. In fact, I believe that's one of the primary reasons God still speaks to us. He wants to facilitate friendship. We see that in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 33 when it says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Fast forward 1,500 years and God sends his own son in the flesh and Jesus in the same book that I spoke from last week in the parable where he was talking about himself being the shepherd and his sheep knowing his voice, Jesus said in John 10, 3 that he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He knows and calls each one of you by name and the fact that he knows your name implies relationship. He wants close friendship with you. And then later in John's gospel, Jesus told his disciples in John 15, he said this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus was saying, look, a master does not confide in his slaves. And a lot of people, I think, have that kind of mentality when they approach God. They view God as this harsh taskmaster and we're just his underlings that need to do his will or he's gonna, you know, be, be angry with us and judge us. No, Jesus said, I, I call you friends because a friend tells another friend what's happening. What a wonderful truth for us to know that the awesome sovereign God of the universe wants to have friendship with us. So absolutely, yes, Unequivocally, I believe that God is still speaking to his people today. But if God is still speaking, then why aren't more of his people hearing his voice? As I said last week, simply put, I think it's because we're just not listening. We have a hearing problem. God does not have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. And so last week we talked about how we need to prepare our hearts to hear God's voice. Much like any farmer knows he has to prepare the soil before he plants the seed if he wants to reap a harvest or crop from what he plants, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to prepare the soil of our hearts so that we're able to hear his voice when he speaks. Some of us aren't able to hear, we learned last week, because we've got a polluted heart. There is sin in our lives that keeps us from hearing his voice. Or maybe it's just plain old spiritual immaturity that has kept you from hearing God's voice. Or maybe many of us, myself included, it's the distracted heart that keeps us from hearing God's voice. But that fourth soil condition, the seed that fell on good soil, he said, represented the prepared heart. 
When we repent for the sin that we've committed or the junk that we've allowed in our lives and we refocus on him and we ask him to revive us and we have a certain time and a certain place and a certain plan for how we're going to engage with God in prayer, we prepared our hearts so that we're able to hear his voice because God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. And that's what we learned last week. But how does God speak to us? Well, there are a number of different ways that God speaks to us. And the primary way he speaks to us is through his word, is through scripture. But even within scripture, we see that he speaks to people in a variety of different ways. In his book, Whisper, Mark Batterson suggests that God speaks to his people in six, at least six different secondary ways, the primary being through his word, but six different secondary ways, desires, dreams, open doors, people, promptings, and pain. Yes, God can even speak to you through pain. Now, I don't have time to go through all six of those ways today, but when I look at scripture, I see that God most often speaks to people in a gentle whisper, what scripture calls a still small voice, not one that we hear audibly, but one that we hear within our hearts, within our spirits. God's whisper can answer your most burning questions. It can calm your deepest fears and fulfill your loftiest dreams. And I'm going to talk more about whispers in just a moment, but first I want to begin with a story. Half a century ago, Dr. Alfred Tomatis was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year career as an otolaryngologist, otherwise known as an ENT doctor. A renowned opera singer had mysteriously lost his ability to hit certain notes, even though those notes were well within his vocal range. And he had been to see a number of different specialists, all of whom assumed and thought that it was a vocal problem, but um, Dr. Tomatis thought otherwise. Using a sonometer, Dr. Tomatis determined that this opera singer was producing 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance. You guys, that's a little louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. So that discovery led to the diagnosis that this opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. Isn't that crazy? In other words, he said, the vo- because he couldn't hear the note, he couldn't sing the note. Dr. Tomata said, the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. The French Academy of Medicine dubbed it the Tomatis Effect, and I think its ramifications go way beyond opera. Here's my theory. All of us have problems, right? You've got problems watching at home. We've got money problems. We've got relational problems. We've got emotional problems. We've got problems with our kids, problems on the job, spiritual problems, and I think most of us think that our problems are the problem. I think there are symptoms. I think the root of all of our problems is a spiritual tomatus effect. Ears that have been deafened to the voice of our Heavenly Father. 
And it's been deafened because we've heard so many other things. A lot of times, maybe it's the voice of our own negative self-talk. God can't even get a word in edgewise. Maybe it's the voice of criticism, one that you've heard for so long that you can't even begin to imagine hearing anything positive that someone would say to you about yourself. Maybe it's the voice of conformity, the voice of culture. Or maybe it's the voice of condemnation. Look, we have a spiritual adversary who is called the accuser of the brethren. Scripture says he is also the father of lies. And if you listen to his lies long enough, it will deafen you to the voice of your heavenly father that wants to speak truth to you. And if you can't hear his voice, you won't be able to sing his song and your life will be off key. So let me give you a prescription for those problems. Learning to listen and discern the still small voice of God is the solution to a thousand problems. And it's the key to discovering your true identity and the destiny that God had in mind when he placed you on this planet. Because his voice is joy. His voice is wisdom. His voice is healing. His voice is peace. His voice is power. His voice is grace. His voice is truth. And his voice is love. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And those four words are still creating new galaxies on the outer edges of the universe today as we know it. How did he do it? He did it with his voice. Those four words were God's way of saying, look what I can do with just four words. If God can do all of that with four words, then what are we worried about? The voice that spoke the universe into existence is the same voice that parted the Red Sea and made the sun stand still in the sky. His voice can heal a withered arm or wither a barren fig tree. His voice can turn water into wine. His voice can instill synaptic connections between the optic nerve and the visual cortex of a blind man's brain to restore his sight. His voice can bring a man back from the dead who had been in the grave for four days. Lazarus, come forth. His voice can calm the storm on the Sea of Galilee with the words, peace, be still. There's nothing that God's voice cannot say and cannot do, and he can do it however he wants to. He can speak through a burning bush, or he can speak through Balaam's donkey. And this is maybe difficult for some of us to understand all of the ways that God can use his voice because As humans, we only use our voice for one thing, really, right? To communicate. We speak, and we might try to be heard when we shout and use our voice loudly, and we might try to use our voice beautifully and sing, and some of us can sing more beautifully than others, but that's about it. That's about all we've got. And when we think of the voice and sound, we think of phonics, but sound waves really has more to do with physics, See, most people, including most Christians I know, would say that they've never really heard the voice of God, which is sad to me. And if you're talking about 
hearing within the human hearing range of 20 to 20,000 hertz, then I've never heard the audible voice of God either. But God's voice is not limited to our range of hearing. The reality is this, when you get outside the range of human hearing, sound waves do some strange and mysterious things. I don't have time today to talk about infrasound and ultrasound, which is above and below the range of our human hearing, but suffice it to say that God's ability to speak is not limited to our ability to hear audibly. God uses his voice to both create and to convict. He uses his voice to heal broken hearts and to reveal his will to us. He uses his voice to guide and to grace. Here's what I know for sure, as I said last week, God is still speaking. The question is, though, are we listening? And is his voice the loudest voice in our lives? And if it's not, then that's the problem. And the solution is learning how to tune into his voice and turn up the volume of that still small voice, that gentle whisper. It's kind of like learning a foreign language. I don't know how many here or watching online know how to speak a foreign language, but it takes a lot of time and effort to acquire that. It took me three years of Spanish in high school to learn the phrase, yo hablo un poco español. I mean, that's, that's about all I got. I know adios and, you know, things like that, but um, that's about all I got. And it takes time. And the same is true with learning how to hear the voice of God. It takes time, but even more than that, it takes relationship. And that's what God wants. That's what he's after. I know the voice of my wife, Kelly. I know the tone of her voice. I know the nonverbals. That's because we've been married 14 years. And I know her voice better today than I did the day I married her 14 years ago. We're in relationship, and that's what God wants. Prayer isn't just talking to God, which is what most of us think about when we think of prayer, that we just talk to God and we tell him everything we want him to do for us. Prayer isn't outlining our agenda to God. It's about getting into God's word and into his presence and letting him outline his agenda for our lives. Prayer is about listening. And if you, want, if you ask me which side of the prayer coin is more important, talking to God or listening to God, hands down, I'd say that listening to God is way more important than talking to God. Because at the end of the day, I need to hear what God has to say way more than God needs to hear what I have to say. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear what we have to say, but how many of you know it's true? Like, we need to hear what God has to say way more than he needs to hear what we have to say. So I want to say a couple things up front. And the first is this. If you aren't willing to listen to everything that God has to say, eventually you won't hear anything he has to say. I mentioned last week that you will struggle to hear the voice of God if you are not willing to listen and obey what he's already clearly spoken to us through his word. 
If you want to hear his comforting voice, you also need to listen to his convicting voice. You know, I think a lot of times some of us are just afraid of what we think God would say to us if we were to hear his voice. And if that's true for you, I think it's probably because you don't really know the heart of the Father. Because the heart and the voice of God towards you is loving. And if you hear or you think you're going to hear something other than love, and I'm, I'm not talking about love the way culture defines love, okay? Please hear me on this. The mushy-gushy, emotional kind of love that just, you know, passes everything. As long as it makes you happy, I love you, and whatever you want to do is fine. That's not love. I'm talking about biblical, agape love, unconditional love. If what you hear isn't loving, then it's not God. Now, it might be tough love. Okay, it might be something that you don't necessarily want to hear, but you know what I've discovered in my own life? It's usually the things that I want to hear the least that I need to hear the most. God sometimes needs to speak to his children some loving discipline and correction because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. Just like as a father, I discipline my boys, not because I'm angry with them, but because I love them and I want the best for their lives. So the second thing I want to say is this. We live in a culture where everyone wants to be heard, but has so little to say. Listen, I hope you find your voice. I believe God has put each one of us on this planet with a unique and specific message that he wants to communicate to the world around you, to your sphere of influence. But finding your voice starts with learning how to hear the voice of your creator. If you want people to listen to you, listen to God. Because then you'll actually have something to say worth listening to. God told Moses, I wish all my people were prophets. Uh, My prayer for, for you, for you watching at home for this church, is that all of you, that God would give you a prophetic voice to this generation. And what I mean by that, if you're newer to faith, to have a prophetic voice, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 that, that prophecy is, is strengthening, comforting, and encouraging words inspired by the Holy Spirit inside of you. I want you to have a prophetic voice, but it starts with having a prophetic ear. So if you have your Bibles today, I'd love for you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. And while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the context to kind of help you understand what has transpired and what has led to what we're about to read. In the previous chapter, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible takes place where we find a prophet named Elijah who knows how to hear the voice of God, kind of has this duel with 450 false prophets of Baal. Basically says, look, Whoever's God answers by fire is the one true God. And I'll let you guys go first. They build these sacrifices. These false prophets cry out and pray to their their false gods. And surprise, nothing happens. When it's Elijah's turn, just to make a point, he has them pour water all over the sacrifice. And then when he cries out and prays to God, God answers by fire, consumes the sacrifice, and then has all of 450 false prophets put to the sword which didn't make the queen very happy. Queen Jezebel was not a very nice lady. She was not a God-fearing woman, okay? Those were her prophets. She worshiped false gods, and she told Elijah 
far be it from me if I don't make your life like those of the ones that you just killed. She threatened him. She basically said, I'm going to kill you. And he got afraid. And we see at the end of chapter 18, the beginning of chapter 19, Elijah running for his life, depressed, winds up in a cave. And in chapter 19, verse 11, depressed, God speaks to Elijah. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, wouldn't that be awesome if God told you that in your prayer time tomorrow? Go outside because I'm about to pass by you. You said you want to see me. I'm going to show you who I am. And most of us, I think, would expect to see what followed after God told Elijah that. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire either. See, most of us think that for God to reveal himself, like, show us a sign, God. Like, let me see a shooting star. Let me see something that lets me know you're real. No, it says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that whisper called out to Elijah. The ESV calls it a low whisper. The NASB calls it a gentle whisper blowing. King James says it's a still, small voice. By definition, a whisper is when someone speaks with their breath rather than with their vocal cords. And the theological significance of this is pretty profound. Scripture says that God breathed into the dust and formed the first man, Adam, which means that Adam was the breath of God. And therefore, you and I and everyone else who has come from that one man began as the breath of God, as well as everything else that was created. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed, which means the Bible is God whispering to you. Hold that thought. On the morning of August 27th, 1883, Ranchers in Alice Springs, Australia, heard what sounded like gunshots. The same mysterious sound was reported in 50 different geographical locations spanning one-thirteenth of the globe's surface. What those Aussies heard that day was the eruption of a volcano on the remote Indonesian island of Krakatoa, 2,233 miles away. That volcanic eruption, possibly the loudest sound ever measured, sent sound waves measuring 310 decibels all the way around the globe four times. It generated 3,000-foot tidal waves through rocks a distance of 34 miles, and it cracked one-foot-thick concrete 300 miles away. That's the power of sound waves. If sound exceeds 110 decibels, we experience a change in blood pressure. At 141 decibels, we start to get nauseous. At 145 decibels, our vision blurs as our eyeballs begin to vibrate. At 195 decibels, our eardrums are in danger of rupturing. 
and death by sound waves can happen at 202 decibels. On the opposite end of the sound spectrum, though, just above the threshold of human hearing is a whisper, which measures about 15 decibels. Now back to 1 Kings 19. You see, I think we tend to dismiss the natural phenomenon that preceded the gentle whisper because it says that God was not in those things. But I bet you they got Elijah's attention. See, God has an outside voice and he's not afraid to use it. But when God wants to be heard, when what he has to say is too important to miss, he often speaks in a whisper just above the threshold of hearing. But the question is, why does he speak that way? And when and where and how? And I don't have time to answer all of those questions today, but I want to take a stab at the why. You see, when someone whispers, you have to get really close to hear. Like if you really want to hear what someone is saying when they're whispering, you have to put your ear really close to their mouth. See, and I think that's what God wants for us to lean into and get close to him so we can hear his voice. See, we think the goal of hearing the heavenly father's voice is hearing what he has to say, but I don't actually think that's God's goal. I think God's goal is intimacy with us. The goal of prayer is intimacy with God, to have relationship with our creator and our heavenly father. So he he speaks in a whisper, not to make it difficult for us to hear him, but so that we'll draw close to him and deepen our intimacy with the Father. I don't know how many of you parents played this game with your kids like I did with mine when they were younger, but like sometimes I would purposefully speak in a whisper that I know they wouldn't be able to hear, so they would keep saying, what'd you say? And I would say it again in a whisper, and they would get closer. What did you say? And I'd keep repeating the whisper until they got close enough for me to reach out and grab them and squeeze them and hug them and tickle them. And I think God plays that game and plays that trick on us sometimes too, where he whispers something so that we'll get close to us, to him, so that he can wrap his arms around us and tell us how much he loves us. Oswald Chambers said that the voice of the Spirit is as gentle as a zephyr, which is just a gentle blowing breeze. How many of you are grateful for a gentle God? The Almighty could intimidate us with his outside voice if he wanted to, but instead he woos us with his whisper. And his whisper is the very breath of life. There have been numerous times throughout my life where I've heard the whisper of God. The first that I can remember was probably when I was about 10 years old. I was in church and traveling evangelist that had come through that was speaking that day, called me out of the service and onto the stage. And I was like, you know, what's happening right now? And he prophesied over me that God was going to use me in a powerful way in ministry. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I was only 10 years old. But three years later, I remember being in, in prayer at, at an altar at a youth retreat when that whisper came back to me as I was praying and I heard God kind of bring Jeremiah 20 verse 9 to the surface of my mind, which is when 
Jeremiah is kind of complaining to the Lord, saying, I don't want to do this anymore. But then he says, if I say that I will not speak in your name, your word is like a fire in my heart, like a burning fire shut up in my bones. He says, I'm weary of trying to hold it in. Indeed, I cannot. And I knew that God was whispering to me that his word was always going to be burning in my heart, that I would always feel the need to tell other people about the good news of Jesus. The whisper of God is what led Kelly and I to sell our house in 2012 and move to Columbus, Ohio, where I would leave the marketplace to step into my calling and into vocational ministry. And the whisper of God three years later came back to us again when Pastor Craig, the founding pastor of this church, asked me to pray about moving back to Buffalo to take over and lead this church, become the pastor. And we were fasting because we wanted to hear God's voice. And he spoke to us through his word, that primary way that he speaks to us. And he took Kelly, my wife, to Genesis 31:13, which says, I am the God of Bethel where you made a vow to me and anointed a pillar. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. The whisper of God was very clear to us that day. And to those of you who would say, you know, I've never heard the whisper of God that clearly. I've been praying for something for 20 years and I, God still hasn't answered me. I don't know if he even hears me. I want to share another story with you of whispers that I've heard from God that have not been answered or fulfilled yet. I talk about my family a lot. My wife and I have two children, Samuel and Isaac, and they're both miracle babies because my wife and I are infertile and the problem is on my end. The boys were born because of in vitro fertilization. I'm grateful for the doctor's ability to help us get pregnant that way. But in the nine years since our second son Samuel was born, or Isaac was born, I've prayed hundreds, if not thousands of times for God to heal my infertility. And I don't know why he hasn't answered that prayer yet. But the reason I keep praying for him to heal me because the desire for another child has not gone away. The reason I keep praying is because of the whispers I've heard in the last nine years. At least five different times. People that I trust who have a close relationship with God, who hear the voice of God, have come to Kelly and I with a dream that God gave them or a word that he gave them that, he, that they felt were supposed to come to us and tell us, I believe God is going to allow you to conceive and give birth to another child. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm still believing because I've learned I can trust the voice of that whisper, my loving Heavenly Father, who always speaks truth. So to those of you who've been praying for years and nothing has happened, and you're doubting if you've actually heard the voice of God, keep praying. Keep praying because I know he's able. I believe that I'm going to be healed. And one day when I'm holding that third child in my arms, my healing will have once been a whisper. And the same is true for every miracle. I know he's able. Not only is he able, but he is immeasurably able to do more than we could ever ask or even imagine, according, Paul says, to his power that works within us. Within us. As I look back on my life, I realized the genesis of every blessing and every breakthrough in my life started with a whisper from God. Just a gentle whisper. This, this building beside us, which is just a few weeks away from being completed, is a perfect example of this. 
When a lot of people see this, they see a nice new auditorium, a big new building. When I look at it, I hear a whisper because that's all it was two years ago when our leadership team was meeting and trying to figure out like, do we need to add another service? And how are we gonna make room for the growth that we're experiencing as a church? And that's when out of nowhere, I heard the whisper of God who spoke to me and said, it's time to stretch out the tent plagues and enlarge the place of your dwelling. The time to expand is now. And it came out of nowhere, which is often an indication that what you are hearing or feeling or sensing is supernatural and is spirit-breathed. Began with a whisper. I call it a God idea. And I'd rather have one God idea than a thousand good ideas. Good ideas are good, but God ideas can change the course of history. And it started with a whisper. Do you remember the definition of a whisper that I gave you just a few moments ago? It's when one, someone speaks using their breath rather than with their vocal cords. Speaking of breath, did you know that According to Jewish tradition, the name for God, which in scripture is Yahweh, was too sacred and too holy to pronounce out loud. And because of that, whenever they would say or even write his name, they would do so without the vowels in the Hebrew word for Yahweh. So it would just be Y-H-W-H, which is synonymous with the sound of one's breath. So on one hand, it's too holy to even pronounce, but on the other hand, we're speaking his name with every breath we take. It's the first thing that we say when we breathe our first in the morning, and it's the last thing we say at the end of the day, and it's every word in between as the human being breathes 23,000 times a day. In him we live and move and have our being. His name is the very breath of life. So let me close with a challenge today. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, there is a seven-word prayer that I believe can change your life. It's the bravest prayer that I could hope for any of us to pray. Let me give you the context. There was a woman named Hannah, who was barren, she was childless, and cried out to God and asked God to give her a child. And God answered, actually gave her five children. But the first of those children, she gave back to the Lord. She dedicated him, and he grew up living in the temple, interning under the high priest whose name was Eli. And scripture says that Samuel grew up in the presence of God. Man, that's what I want for my children and for your children and all the kids who are learning about Jesus at their level right now, that they would grow up in the presence of God. I think about that verse every time we do child dedications here, that they would grow up in the presence of God. And it says that he grew in the favor with God and with man. But it also says in chapter three, verse one, that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. The voice of God wasn't being heard much. There were not many visions. So God wasn't speaking much, or was it just that no one was really listening? Well, one night, the Lord spoke to Samuel. 
But Samuel hadn't yet learned or been taught how to hear and discern the voice of God. In fact, he mistook whatever it was he heard as the voice of Eli, the high priest. And so he gets out of bed and goes to Eli and says, what do you need, Eli? You called for me. And Eli says, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. And again, he hears Samuel, Samuel. And so he goes back to Eli and says, you called for me. And Eli says, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. And I think a lot of us are in the same place where God is trying to speak to us through desires and doors and dreams and people and promptings and pain, but we misinterpret those messages or we just ignore them altogether because it says in verse seven that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. In other words, he hadn't yet learned how to hear and discern the voice of God. And I think this is where a lot of us find ourselves. Unfortunately, we haven't yet learned how to hear his voice, how to discern it. Listen, I really genuinely hope that you get something out of the messages that I preach. I hope that they feed you spiritually I hope they encourage you and inspire you to grow closer to God. But can I tell you something? You don't need to hear another sermon. Depending on others for your own spiritual growth is the equivalent of spiritual codependency. What you need is a word from God. You need to learn how to hear and discern the voice of your heavenly father who wants to speak to you directly. And as we learned last week, as his sheep, we have the innate ability to discern the voice of our shepherd. But we've not learned, we've not prepared our hearts, we've not been taught how to discern his voice. Getting back to Samuel, this happened three different times where he heard something, goes to Eli. Eli says, it wasn't me, go back to bed. Finally, it dawns on Eli, oh my gosh, God must be trying to speak to Samuel. So the last time he tells him to go back to bed, he says, Samuel, go back to bed. But this time, if you hear the voice again, I want you to say this in response. In verse nine, he tells him, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And just as before, the Lord called him Samuel, Samuel. And this time he answered the way Eli told him to. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He was like, I'm not just hearing a sound, I'm listening. You have my full attention, I'm ready to do whatever it is that you want me to do. Oh, that that would be our prayer. See, I think so many of us make a mistake when we approach God in prayer. We come to God with our wish list. God, please do this. God, I could really use this. God, I need your help with that. And then when it doesn't happen in our time frame, we're like, well, that didn't work. Maybe God doesn't hear my prayer. Listen, I'm not saying, please hear my heart. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to hear the things that concern you. We are told in scripture to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. But the goal of prayer is not bending God's will to ours It's bending and yielding and submitting our will to his. It's letting him outline his agenda for us. So instead of going to God with our list of demands, what if instead we approached God with just a blank sheet of paper? 
And what if we said, hey God, I'm here and I'm ready to listen. What do you want to say to me today? God, in my marriage, how can I better love my spouse? What change do you want to see in me? In this relationship or at school or on the job, God, how can I be more like Jesus so that they can see your love in and through me? What if that's how we approach prayer? Chapter 3 of 1 Samuel ends with this incredible phrase, this statement. Verse 19 says that the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, everything that Samuel said would happen from that day forward came to pass. He became a prophet to the nation of Israel. God gave Samuel a prophetic voice, but it started with a prophetic ear. Before you can have a prophetic voice to your family and to your generation, you have to first develop a prophetic ear. It starts with having an ear that has learned how to hear and discern the whispers of God. We have to learn how to discern his voice. Why? Because in the words of Dr. Tomatis, the voice can only reproduce what the ear has first heard. So here's the challenge. I would love for all of us, myself included, to pray that brave seven-word prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm attentive. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. Mother Teresa said that God speaks in the silence of the heart and listening is the beginning of prayer. It's interesting that the word listen contains the same letters as the word silent. So go someplace quiet. Get rid of anything that's going to distract you. And say that. Say, God, here I am. I'm ready to hear what you want to say. And not just hear, but listen. I'm giving you my full attention. And then after you say that, just be quiet. Resist the urge to keep talking. And I promise you, you do this often enough and long enough and you're in his word enough. You're going to begin to understand what his voice sounds like. In your prayer life, we should do like James says and be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I'm hoping that as we go through this reset book together, that this will help you do just that. We gave this away for free to everyone. And if you're here today and you don't have a copy of this yet, we have more available in the back. And if you're watching online, there's a form on the prayer page of our website that you can fill out to request that we mail one to you and we'll send it to you for free. Because we want to equip you to learn how to prepare your heart and how to hear the voice of God. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you that you are a speaking God. Lord, that from the beginning of time, you have been speaking to your people and you're still speaking today. 
Lord, and the goal of your communication with us is to facilitate friendship. So Lord, for those who have kept you at an arm's length because they've been afraid of what you might say to them and they've viewed you as a harsh taskmaster or maybe a distant, unloving father, God, I pray that today you would open people's eyes and reveal to them by your Holy Spirit that the goal of prayer is intimacy with you, that you desire more than anything else to draw us close so that you can let us know how much you love us and the plans that you have for our lives. So Lord, that's our prayer today. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. We're listening. I feel like right now, maybe he's speaking healing to someone's broken heart. He's speaking peace to those who are struggling with anxiety. He's speaking hope to those who are hopeless. And he's calling some names of people who've never heard the voice of God because you've never accepted Jesus' invitation to come into your heart and let him forgive you of your sins because only children of God are able to hear the voice of their heavenly father. And Jesus said to those who believed in him and who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And if that's you here today, whether you're in this room or you're watching online and you're ready to say, you know what? I'm done trying to do this thing on my own. I've made a mess of my life and I want to be able to hear the voice of my heavenly father. You can do that right now. Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so I'm going to pray a prayer here in a moment. And if you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus today. If you believe that he came to pay the price for your sin and believe that he rose again, will you just repeat these words after me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for demonstrating your love for me by sending Jesus to die for me. Jesus, thank you for willingly laying down your life so that I could be made whole. So Jesus, right now, I come to you just as I am, broken, messed up, hurting, dirty, ashamed, trusting that by this simple act of faith, you will come in to my heart and forgive me of all of my sins and lovingly welcome me into your family. So say these words, say, Jesus, I give you my life. Be my savior and my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the strength to follow you and serve you for the rest of my life. And give me ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Speak, Lord, for your child is listening.
Lord, I just pray right now for the hearts of everyone here and those watching online that you would birth something in them that would create just an insatiable hunger and thirst to know you more. Lord, that we would not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from your mouth, God, that we would hunger and thirst to hear your voice in the same way that our physical bodies hunger and thirst for food and water. God, that you would be our spiritual nourishment and strength, God. We would never think to go seven days, let alone one day, without food or water, and yet so many of us go days and weeks on end without running into the secret place so that we can hear what you want to say to us. So God, we repent for our prayerlessness. We repent for the thing that we've made it, God. And we ask you to reshape our vision of prayer. I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of spoke to me and said that I want to speak to my children, but so many of you are uncomfortable with awkward silences. Whenever we do pray, we kind of say whatever it is that's on our heart, and then I mean, we've got our list of things that we've got to get to in that day, and we feel rushed, and so we, we just move on, and we're uncomfortable with just sitting in silence. So I want to encourage you right now to just ask the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to slow down and to be okay in that awkward silence. You know what it feels like when you're in a conversation with someone you don't know super well and you get past the usual questions and things that you would talk about and then it's like, okay then. And there's that awkward pause and that's when you try to escape the conversation. Don't do that with God. Don't rush past it. Even now, just want us to be silent. Speak to us, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for calling us by name. And I thank you in advance, God, for the fruit that's going to come from the decisions that were made here today to commit to being a people who above all else just want to hear your voice. Give us a prophetic voice to our family, to our classmates, co-workers, our friends. Give us a prophetic voice to West Seneca and Buffalo and Western New York, Lord. Give us a prophetic voice in our generation, but may it begin with a prophetic ear that has learned how to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. And so we say again, Lord, speak for your servants, your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen.
and amen. Well, church, I hope this message was encouraging to you and gave you some hope to know that you can and you will hear the voice of God. If you prayed that prayer a moment ago, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, I just want to first of all say congratulations on the most important decision that you will ever make in your entire life. You're now my brother or my sister in God's family. Welcome to the family of God. We're excited about the decision that you've made today. And we want to let you know that you're not in this journey alone. This is not something you've got to figure out on your own. We want to come alongside of you and help you take some next steps. Because that was just the first step of a journey that's going to last you the rest of your life. And so if you would do us a favor, if you made that decision today, you prayed that prayer, would you, if you're in the room, fill out the green card that says, I have decided, and check the box that indicates the decision you made today. And if you're watching online, just fill out the next steps form on the homepage of our website and let us know. And we're going to give you a Bible. We'll send you some resources that will explain a little bit more about what this thing is, a relationship with God, and suggest and encourage you to take some next steps as you follow Jesus every day for the rest of your life. That's our mission as a church, to help people know and follow Jesus step by step. Well, I'm excited for what God's going to do in your life in the coming weeks ahead. We've got two more weeks of this series. Stay strong, be faithful with the 21 days of prayer and fasting. God is going to speak to you. Amen, church? Hope you have an awesome week. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday. And go Bills in the AFC Championship. We'll see you next Sunday. I love you guys.